Welcome everyone to the second session of, of our seminar on the personalist vision. Um, we are joined, as, as you've, you've noticed, no doubt, uh, by our friends Rocco Patiglione and Joseph Seifert um, coming to us uh, respectively from Italy and I think Joseph's in Austria right now. Um, they, they will be discussing the major figures in personalism, particularly Watiwa and Hildebrand. Uh, so, um, with that, let me turn it over to, to you gentlemen. Uh, would one of you like to speak first? Oko. Joseph. I was told he would speak first, so we have to... Please okay. lead and I follow you. Okay. All right, Rock, Rocco, the, 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 order, the order is you first, Rocco. I have Rocco. too many orders in my life. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll begin with you, Rocco. Thank you. Uh, okay. Then I go. Well, it, I am, let me please, first of all, tell all my joy in being today together with you, with those whom I can see, my old friend Joseph and my old friend Christopher, and those I cannot see. Among them, I know there are beautiful ladies that I always hope to see, um, like Maria and Katrina and, and many others. Um, uh, let's, let's now uh, turn to the topics of today. Personalism, great uh, figures in the, the history of personalism. And in particular, you expect me to say a few words on Karol uh, Wojtyla. If I were to say what is uh, the greatest contribution of Wojtyla to uh, personalism, I think uh, it is um, the rethinking of the idea of person, uh, uh, starting first with the immediate experience of the subject, of the human being. And second, centering on uh, the, that peculiar human experience that is the encounter of men with another man, and especially of men with women. Um, uh, I, uh, many of you must have read uh, um, the phenomenology, phenomenology of the spirit of Hegel. Uh, human society begins with the clash of two self-consciousness. And one of them must become the Lord and the other one must become the slave. Um, in contemporary philosophy, in La Critique de la Raison Dialectique, Jean-Paul Sartre has reproposed the same model. Uh, the first problem that we have to solve is who is the boss? Who stands in command? And human society are born and grow through a clash in which uh, different uh, self-consciousnesses try to propose themselves as dominant. One of them wins and the others must obey, become slaves. One becomes the Lord, the others become the slaves. Wojtyla um, offers us a different uh, um, model to understand um, the, the genesis of human society. Uh, it is, I, I shall not say that the model of Hegel is false. I think it is true, 50%. But there is, thanks God, another 50% in human experience. And you see this in the relationship between men and women. When uh, uh, you fall in love, uh, but more in general, when you meet uh, a lady, uh, uh, then uh, well, uh, when you fall in love, you you want to possess the body of the person you are in love with. Um, 
and she is an object for you, no doubt. But you realize that this job, uh, object is at the same time a subject and that she's not just a body. And uh, uh, in the metaphysics of shame in uh, love and responsibility, there is a wonderful representation of the way in which men watch at women. Uh, why are we dressed? In order to lead the eye of the other towards our eyes. And the eyes are the point in which we enter into the interiority of the other. There is another analysis of the eye in um, uh, modern philosophy, in contemporary philosophy. Oh, I don't know whether I should call it contemporary because it's, well, it was contemporary when I was young, when, when Joseph and I were young. Um, uh, uh, again, in La Critique de la Raison Directive, uh, you have this idea. Uh, I look to the world and my eye objectifies the world. They are objects, I am a subject. And then I meet another one who is watching me and this eye objectifies me. And I realize that I am an object for him and I cannot tolerate this. And here begins the clash. Now, when uh, you fall in love with a girl, uh, you cannot, you desire, uh, you desire uh, her love. Love is not just obedience. It's not something that can be imposed. It is an act of the freedom. And the encounter of the eyes is the moment in which one freedom enters in relation with the freedom of the other. And this is accompanied by the experience of beauty. Beauty means that uh, um, the affective center of my uh, reality, my heart, is drawn out of myself. My affective center is no more in myself, but is in her or somewhere between me and her, let us say, uh, uh, on the way between me and her, so that I cannot define what I am without encompassing her freedom and her good. And this uh, is, uh, uh, well, breaks the spell of modern philosophy. Modern uh, philosophy begins with Descartes, cogito ergo sum, I think, and therefore I am. And the other, I have to arrive to the consciousness of the existence of the other to a rather complicated um, set of uh, um, reasonings. But here, no, I am equally sure of the existence of the other as I am sure of my own existence. I might even say that I am more sure of the existence of my wife than I am of my own existence or of my children, because as a rule, from the encounter between men and, and, and women, uh, children are born. And I realize that I, uh, the person is a relation. I live in the relation to other human beings and I learn who I am in this relation. Uh, 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 there is uh, the hymn of the Holy Spirit that says, uh, uh, in your light, we see the light. This can be said of the encounter of men with God but also the encounter of men with the other man. Because this encounter of man with woman, or of father with child, or of, or of, of, of course also of the, of the child with the father, or of the even better with the mother, this is also the paradigm of all encounters of human beings among themselves. Whenever we meet another human being, we have, we have in ourselves two different archetypes, and they both work. 
the archetype of Hegel and the archetype of Wojtyla, uh, uh, which is dominant. Well, it depends on the circumstances, on the situations. Uh, the idea of sanctity is the idea of the predominance of the archetype of Wojtyla on the archetype of Hegel. Uh, Sometimes it happens also in the life of poor sinners like we are. But when this happens uh, uh, in, in a more uh, definite way, uh, and when it requires a more universal form, then we say, oh, look, this is a saint. Um, shall I stop here, Christopher, or shall I go on? Because you know, uh, professors are terrible. They could go on, on and on forever. Yeah. Especially when they talk about something well, like... You can, oh, yeah, why don't, why don't you start uh, wrapping up in a couple minutes here? A couple of minutes? Finish your points. Yeah. Good. Um, let me say a couple of words on uh, another uh, great philosopher. I was, and I hope I still am, a friend with uh, Joseph Seifert. Um, uh, in my opinion, Joseph Seifert has given a great contribution to um, this renewal of personalist thought, um, moving this from the field of anthropology to the field of meta metaphysics. In the book, oh, by the way, a, a little bit of a bibliography. If you want to control what I've said on Guitiwa, if you want to deepen these ideas, there are three texts you should read. The first one is... Um, uh, the person as a subject and the community. The second one is um, the family as a communion of persons. And the third one is being father or mother as communion of persons. Here you find more in, uh, more, uh, more enlarged and more in depth, uh, the, the basic concepts that I have tried to explain. Um, um, in his book uh, on uh, Essere e Persona, I say it in Italian because the first edition was in Italian and I translated it. Um, uh, Seifert um, puts this category of person within the context of classical metaphysics. Uh, um, normally metaphysics begins with being, with the uh, uh, being as being. Seifert suggests that metaphysics should begin with the metaphysics of the person. That is, metaphysics should begin with what uh, um, Aristotle calls on catechsoken. Being is given in the human person, in the person, in God's person even more, but also in the human person, in the, in the, the, in, because there are three kinds of person, man, angels, and God. Um, uh, God is given in the human person in a much deeper, not, not God, excuse me. Um, being is given in the human person in a way that is much deeper and more beautiful and more full of meaning and with a greater capacity to explain the totality of being if you start considering being uh, on catechsoken, being par excellence. That is the person. I think this is the point in which uh, Joseph continue, Professor Seifert, excuse me, continues the great reflection of Wojtyla and of his personalism. Okay, thank you, Rocco. That seems like a great segue to you, Joseph. Are, are you with us here? 
Professor Seifert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you still see me? Do yes. you hear me? Yes, I, I, I do. We can see and hear you. Yeah, very well. Well, um, I am supposed to say a few words about the true personalism of Dietrich von Hildebrand. And I entitled my, my paper, which I don't read, but I will freely, freely speak, uh, the true personalism of Dietrich von Hildebrand in order to emphasize that personalism per se is not necessarily a good philosophy or a true philosophy. And there are many personalisms or many kinds of understand personalism uh, that are very bad and others are extremely good in, in a certain high point of in the history of philosophy. And I think the three main, Hildebrand is free of three main errors, which into which quite a few personalists fell, starting already to some extent from the beginning of the modern term personalism. I am of the opinion that Personalism exists since, since ages, at least since uh, Christianity, because to believe that God is three persons in one God is the climax of personalism and of thinking that the supreme being is the person. But, um, but um, one could say in the modern understanding, uh, it was Monnier who started this movement, and there already, I think, we find many personalists, so-called personalists, who are much less personalist than, for example, Thomas Aquinas or some classical thing. So I believe that the main errors that some modern personalists committed are first a kind of subjectivistic understanding of personalism. Um, that it goes back to, in some, to some extent, the father of personalism, Immanuel Kant, who, whose st statement in the, in the foundation of a metaphysics of morals, that, that only if there's something of absolute value can there be moral imperatives, and that absolute value can be attributed to the person and who then adds that you should never treat a, a, a person merely as a means, but always also as an end. And that statement is, so to speak, the key statement of the Polish personalism of Karl Wojtyla, Tadeusz Dicin, and a whole number of other thinkers of that school. And in Kant, we find, besides this beautiful statement and this wonderful uh, intuition, we find an extreme subjectivistic understanding of the person because this, the, the person is basically the human person who uh, in his transcendental consciousness uh, creates to some extent the world instead of finding the things in themselves, reality itself. And he even creates, as Kant says, uh, God. The idea of God is entirely made by the human reason. So there is no transcendent God, authentically real, but only a God whom we make. So 
we can say that uh, personalism um, in this form that is influenced by Kant uh, is a very subjectivistic philosophy, not at all a realist personalism. But Hildebrand was profoundly realist personalist. His book, What is Philosophy, um, gives a, so is a kind of magna charta of, personal, of realist personalism and realist phenomenology. And um, it sees the nature of knowledge not as creative or constituting the world, so as if everything would depend on human personal consciousness, but rather as finding, discovering a reality that is independent of the human consciousness. And Hildebrand also um, counters a second big error of, of, um, of a false personalism, that is, a kind of belief that if one takes seriously the person, one must not submit the person to some universal laws. That would be illegalism. And therefore, situation ethics and later the purely proportionalist ethics appear to be the true personalist ethics. And Hildebrand wrote, and I think that destroys the foundation of ethics. If one denies that they are intrinsically uh, good or evil acts. I just wrote a book on, on the splendor of the good and intrinsically evil acts uh, about the thinking of John Paul II and, and of Karl Wojtyla on, on this matter. And so I think that the ethics presupposes that absoluteness. And in Hildebrand, in his book, Critique of Situation Ethics, uh, and um, he insists deeply and gives very refined and differentiated account of the fact that it is impossible to reduce the substance of moral good and evil to all these changing situations where at a time murder or abortion or adultery can be justified, depending also on the consequences. And thirdly, I think another big error that is also completely uh, foreign to the personalism of Hildebrand is to identify the concept of man and the concept of person. Because man or the human person is, of course, uh, each man is a person, as personalists rightly said, or many personalists rightly said, from the from conception on, each human being is a person. But this personhood that is, as Professor Cosby said in the previous session, so to speak, uh, potentially possessed uh, by that person who is already a real person, the embryo is a real person, the mentally retarded is a real person, but he possesses, so to speak, the specific uh, characteristics of personhood in a kind of in not yet actualized, not yet fully actualized way. And so I think that, uh, that to identify the personhood with personhood is uh, a profound error because one forgets that the human person is, in a certain way, the weakest of all persons. Angels are much higher persons by nature, and God, of course, is infinitely uh, higher. So the archetype, the, the fundamental person, is not the human person. And so to believe that personalism turns, so to speak, anthropology or 
philosophy of man into the main uh, discipline of philosophy, I think, overlooks that the metaphysics of the person and the insight that all the all the marks of personhood, knowledge, wisdom, free will, heart, affective life, spiritual forms of affectivity are possessed by human persons in a very imperfect sense. And in Hildebrand, we can say there's constantly this awareness that the, that the person um, is not reduced to human person, but that the absolute divine persons are the most fullest person. And therefore, the fundamental ethical personalist principle that the person ought to be loved and to be uh, recognized as such for his own dignity, for his own value, that principle is not identical with man has to be affirmed for his own sake or has to be loved for his own sake, because the primary love, the most profound love, uh, and affirmation of the person for her own sake or his own sake, is in the love of God. And therefore, if, so to speak, this transcendent dimension of personalism is lost, and personalism is a pure humanism, a pure philosophy in which man stands in the center, I think it is a, quite a, a twist away from the true personalism in its metaphysical dimension. And of course, in, in, one might say that, that for the Christian philosopher, and Hildebrand was of course a convert to Catholicism and a very fervent Catholic, of course, we can say that in some extent, the human person and the divine person are joining in a unique way by the fact of the incarnation. So the God-man is both God, Christ is both God, fully God, and fully man. But his human nature is assumed by the divine person. So we can say here, in some ways, the, the humanity becomes so deeply connected in this hypostatic union, as the classic said, with the divine person that, that we can say the adoration of the person, also of the humanity of Christ, is quite legitimate. So at any rate, I think Hildebrand, besides avoiding these three errors, uh, one can say maybe the Nietzschean statement is a kind of implication of this atheist humanism or atheist personalism, when he says that if, if there were God, if God existed, I could never bear not to be God, therefore there is no God. I drew the conclusion, but now the conclusion draws me, he says. Now, so this kind of atheistic humanism or personalism, which Duck in his book um, on the atheist humanism has analyzed deeply. Um, this, this kind, of course, is the opposite of what Hildebrand's personalism uh, would like to affirm. And, um, and, and the Sartre's uh, kind of conception of freedom, as, as Mark Spencer already explained. Now, I believe that Hildebrand analyzed, first of all, he was deeply convinced that, the, that there's no greater metaphysical difference 
than between persons and non-personal beings. So let's say that the, the donkey who for Darwin is already like one night before humanity is for Hillebrand the most distant um, in all of nature. Not even matter is as distant from the person then uh, yeah so that that so to speak the, the 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 difference between the animal and the person is a huge ontological difference despite the wonderful um, type of consciousness of animals the kind of the relationship they have to human beings to the wonder of of animals um, but nevertheless the difference between them and the person is still huge. And of course, Hillebrand said that the even much greater difference is between God and the human person, the divine person and the human person. So we can say that that the personhood in, in Hillebrand's, um, the, 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 the value of the person, the dignity of the person is, of course, centrally important in Hillebrand's thought. And he analyzed making the main faculties of the person, the knowledge in his book, What is Philosophy, the free will in his ethics, and the heart in his book, The Heart. So he analyzed three spiritual centers of the person in a very uniquely differentiated way. And so he contributed not only by overcoming these three errors, but by positive understanding of the, of the person very deeply um, to, to personalism. And he, of course, understood that these three fundamental centers of the of heart, of the will, and of the intellect also do not belong just to the human person, but that in God himself, uh, one must assume the fire, uh, we can say, of love, the, 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 the other of love, so that the feelings are not just like what combines men with animals, but Hillebrand's great contribution to personalism is to show that there are spiritual forms of affectivity that are fully personal, that are fully spiritual, and that um, uh, can also be deeply linked to the free will, uh, which he analyzed in his chapter on the corporate freedom in his, in his ethics. So, um, so well, and we may say that the that the central topic of the Voltivian uh, ethical personalism, that the person ought to be affirmed and loved for her own sake or for his own sake, is quite crucial for Hillebrand. His whole book on the nature of love insists that when we love a person, we are not just searching for our happiness. In this respect. One could say personalism is is linked to freeing ethics from the kind of Aristotelian eudaimonism that everything man desires ultimately the ultimate end he desires is happiness, and so this kind of self-centeredness of happiness being the supreme goal for which everything else is a means is quite broken in Hillebrand's personalism and also in Voltaire's personalism in the sense that the gift of oneself to a beloved person to the other is, is uh, central for, to understand the person. This transcendence, not only of the intellect in knowing reality that is independent of the subject, but also of the will and of the heart. Um, th that kind of affirmation 
of and praise also of God and, and affirmation of another person for his or her own sake. And that self-donation to another person, which is, so to speak, the innermost movement of love. And so I do not want to extend my 10-minute speech. I probably already extended it uh, and uh, see already, feel already that Christopher frowns at me, but I don't see him at the I, moment. No, I'm, 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 so, I'm smiling with you, Joseph. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyways, the, the, I think that... Um, that uh, I will have later an occasion to speak about Hildebrand's um, philosophy, personalist philosophy of the ultimate end, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate vocation of the person. And uh, that, so I will not uh, develop that point here. Uh, but I want to say that I believe one aspect of Hildebrand's personalism is also the very profound uh, union between philosophy and uh, between reason and faith. His book, The Transformation uh, in Christ, I think analyzes philosophically profoundly those specific virtues of humility, of mercy, of peace, peacefulness, of, uh, and others that are, so to speak, born by the encounter with that unique person uh, of the God-man. And, and he, he interprets the Sermon of the Mounts, the Beatitudes. And these specifically Christian virtues, he shows, have their own intelligible nature and beauty, so that even non-Christians like Bergson, for example, recognize the superior holiness, the superior moral quality uh, compared, for example, to the marvelous Socratic uh, moral personality that exists in those saints who respond to that new light, to that uh, great mystery, to that infinite descending love of God, which we believe in as Christians. So with this, I conclude. I had hundreds of other thoughts, <laughs> but I don't want to extend my limited time. Well, thank you uh, to both of you. And we will have have plenty of time throughout the week, I know, for with some other sessions and uh, and and here now also in the in the Q and A. Um, so we'll we have a few minutes for questions. Uh, everyone in in the, in the audience, please feel free to uh, start adding your questions to the to the Q and A here, and uh, we'll we'll try to get through as many as we can. Um, so we have we have a couple of questions on on a related to a particular theme that uh, I'll. I'll try to condense here. I'd be very curious uh, for your thoughts. Um, a couple of people ask about, well, one asking specific about Eric Shivara and Carol Watiwa and another about uh, what personalism might have to say about the analogy, um, essentially the analogy being of the analogy or the analogy antis between um, God and man. Um, I, I'm, I'm personally not, not so sure what uh, did Watiwa and Shivara uh, have Anything really to, to do with one another? Do you all have anything uh, to add on that? I, I don't remember what you were quoting Shivara. Uh, although Shivara was surely influential in the cultural atmosphere in which uh, what you were developing his thought. Uh, 
I think that the link between uh, Shivara and Wojtyla is Ansus von Balthasar. Ansus von Balthasar was a student of Shivara and uh, the vision of uh, Shivara on the human person is largely incorporated in the theological and philosophical, like theological, but with a lot of philosophy in them, theological works of, uh, of uh, from Balthasar. <coughs> <coughs> and I think especially in uh, Glory, um, in the first volume of Glory, the perception of the form. Um, here, this point of view is uh, in one sense taken directly from Givara. Um, it regards again the concept of being and the beginning of metaphysics. And until you do not uh, perceive the beauty of the reality around you, uh, you cannot have an adequate perception of what is being. Um, being, and here in Pshivara, you might draw also a parallel between Pshivara and, and von Hildebrand, because uh, the idea of being is not that of a pure um, formal ontology. Being incorporates the experience of beauty and the experience of harmony. Um, uh, this leads to uh, the uh, idea of pure perfections. Um, all perfections are limited. All of the percep perceptions uh, that we uh, see in the world are limited. Uh, it is good uh, to be tall, but not if you are too tall. It is good to be strong, but uh, here again, a man who is too strong uh, might resemble an ox. Uh, and what is that we can consider as a pure perfection? It is the harmony. The harmony is the correct proportion among things. And in the harmony of uh, the, uh, the human body, in the harmony of a landscape, uh, you perceive that being is at the same time a sign. And this sign deserves to be understood. And this is infinite. Uh, harmony, can you imagine an excess of harmony? No, you can't. Uh, perfect harmony is perfect. And uh, if it is, whenever you have more harmony, you have more uh, of, uh, of the presence of beauty in, uh, of, um, of being in reality. This idea of the connection between beauty and being, and then beauty, being, and person is extremely important to Wojtyla. You find it in his philosophical works, but even more you find it in his, in his, in his poetical works. Uh, there is a, um, a, a small uh, book of poems that he wrote after a pilgrimage to the Holy Land that begins uh, of this land you cannot see, say you are beautiful. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, only you realize the beauty of this land when you put it in connection with the metaphysical beauty that came to find in this land its uh, adequate expression in the person of Jesus Christ. So here, uh, the link between anthropology, uh, metaphysics, and theology, here uh, you can see in Wojtyla 
a presence of Shivara, mediated by von Butterfell, who held von Butterfell in great esteem. He wanted to make him a cardinal, but unfortunately, von Butterfell died uh, a few days before uh, participating in Rome uh, to the conquistorum where he was to be made a, a cardinal. Thank you. That, that was very illuminating. Uh, we have some some questions in the in the chat about Shivara. I think we've got the the links listed there. And, um, and Shivara is known to the younger generation. I thought well, there was a a recent uh, translation and publication of his of his major work, Analogia Hintus, uh in English. And so I think that's that has. Uh, what's that? Which book the, has been translated in English? The book on the, men. Uh, the Analogia Hintus. The analogy has mm-hmm. the capacity of seeing the infinite in the final. Of course, uh, this be the object of a, a scientific demonstration. It has to be perceived. And in this sense, without at least a certain amount of phenomenology, uh, you cannot understand um, neither Chivara and not even the real meaning of the demonstration of the existence of God in St. Thomas, that Shivara explains. <laughs> I, I would love to keep going down this particular path, but we'll, uh, we'll have to save it on our next, uh, to our next seminar on, uh, on Shivara and personalism. Um, let's try to get to a couple more questions before we have to wrap up here. Uh, this one is particularly uh, for Dr. Seifert. Um, and then Rocco, feel free to chime in as well. Um, uh, John Kish asks, why is it better for Hildebrand uh, to begin with the person rather than being? How does this avoid Cartesian self-centeredness as the first principle? Well, uh, that's a very good question. But uh, I think, um, well, I think that is the main thesis also of my book, Essere Persona, Being in Person. I think that to start with being and to, uh, to follow the, the Aristotelian uh, being qua being, or go on, hey, on, has many different meanings. It can be the most universal, general uh, properties uh, of being. And the first principles of being, like the principle of contradiction, it can be the analysis of the different fundamental forms of being, like the categories, or it can be the question, what is being in the most proper sense? And the Aristotelian answer to that question is the substance. The substance is being in the primary sense. And I think that response is not false, because I think not like um, like Dr. Spencer, that the person is a relation. I think the person needs to be a member who enters into relation but cannot be resolved into relation. And in, that the community and relations is crucial for understanding the person, but the person is not a relation. Um, I think even not the divine persons can be relations, otherwise, there will be many persons in God, because the, the relation of the Father to the Son, of the Father to the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit to the Son, and so on there, many. Uh, so I think a person is not reducible to relation. The, 
the Thomistic uh, understanding is the person and the Boethian understanding the person is individual substance of rational nature. And I think that definition remains uh, crucial, even if one understands the essential relatedness of the person and the call of the person to community of persons, the communio personarum, uh, as so to speak, the climax of personal existence and relation in one. And of course, Hillebrand in his metaphysics of community has analyzed this uh, very profoundly, the, 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 the self-standing being of the person, but at the same time, the the, the, the intimate and necessary and ultimate uh, calling to, to be a member of a community. Anyways, uh, so I think if one starts with, with the person, one does not, um, does not leave being, but rather one understands that person, to be person, to be self-conscious, awakened, endowed with free will and so on, is being in the primary sense. So the third question of being uh, qua being, or the third meaning of being qua being, uh, Aristotle does not distinguish this very much, but I think a third meaning that we can identify is precisely being in the most proper sense. What is primarily being? And there Aristotle gives the answer substance. And I think the personalist uh, philosophers like Hildebrand, like Karol Wojtyla, like Thaddeus Stitchen, like Rocco Buttiglione, like Josef Seif, would give the answer the being in the primary sense is, is not enough to say substance, but it is personal being. And, and the person is being in the primary sense. And then one can have a fourth meaning of to on, he, on, or being, qua being, and that is being in the absolute sense. And I think here only God is being in the primary, absolute, absolutely primary sense. And um, I think the, I, th I may slightly contradict Rocco Butiglione, because I think the, the perfections he named, of course, are essentially limited. Like to be a strong man with big muscles, uh, <laughs> or to be a beautiful lion, uh, these are limited perfections. Uh, one cannot think of an infinite lion, of an infinitely strong, muscular man. But I think the so-called pure perfections, which Anselm of Canterbury distinguished from the mixed or from the perfections secundum quid, these are potentially infinite. And as long as they are finite, like in all of us, uh, beauty is finite, uh, intelligence is finite, wisdom is finite, um, kindness is finite, love is finite. So in us, they are finite. But by their nature, they admit of infinity. And we could even say only when they are infinite, that is only when they are in God, are they fully themselves. Only God is being itself. Only God is wisdom itself, is, is goodness itself. And therefore, we can say these pure perfections, I think, give a deep, uh, um, deep entrance door to some real understanding of the divine nature. I don't know whether this answers your question, but... Um... <laughs> I, I hope so. We'll find out in, in, the, in the comments, and it might, might prompt some more questions. Um, 
we have we have time for a couple more, and I'm gonna try try to get uh, get some some practical questions in here for for some people who want to know what to do. Um, let me ask. This is this is a question. Uh, I guess from 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 Catherine uh, Yanko and Alex Plato. Um, given that personalism is a response to both collectivism and individualism in social and political philosophy and history, do you think personalism has a distinctive third way uh, between or beyond the typical division uh, within modern societies of right and left? Uh, is this a key theme or a secondary one? So I think this would apply uh, certainly both to Watiwa uh, and, to, and to Hildebrand, who are reacting against uh, both of these these movements. Um, but I think this this the second question here at the end is, is quite interesting. Is this a key theme uh, or or a sort of a secondary one? Is it an effect of personalism uh, that it that it marks this middle way or third way between collectivism and individualism, or is this something really essential to personalism? I would say, if I may, that that Hildebrand thought of 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 we can say of such opposites like individualism or collectivism that the true uh, solution is not in the middle between these two errors, but rather is beyond and. It combines whatever is true in each of these two positions, but but is not, so to speak, the mesotes or the middle way between these two extremes. And and so, like for example, the virtue of generosity is not the middle way between greediness, between uh, stinginess and 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 wastefulness, uh, rather. It moves, so to speak, on quite another level. It's above both, and and, and may may have, uh, yeah, and it excludes both. But yeah, so, but um, so so this this idea that between individualism and collectivism is personalism, I think, would be not a correct way of presenting the thing. Rather true personalism, and I speak true personalism because there are many false personalism, but true personalism, I think, um, combines the insistence of the, of the human being a member, person being a member of community, with the understanding of the full individuality and uniqueness of each person. Each person is an absolutely unique, irreplaceable, unrepeatable being. And, and that, I think both of these, the, the individual, therefore I'm not quite agreeing with Mark Spencer that individual, uh, to be an individual is egocentric or whatever, because I think to be an individual is, is quite a, an intrinsically important feature of personhood. Uh, not only to be an individual like each dog, my dog is an individual, and she's a very striking individual. Uh, but uh, I think the person has a has a personal uniqueness uh, that is more than just being individual, and so I think in that sense uh, that is crucial both for love in, of uh, of a unique person, the other person, but also for realizing one's own 
mission dignity. No person can ever be substituted or replaced or repeated by any other person. That is, I think, one of the magnificent uh, insights also of John Scotus, the Hecceitas, this, this, you can say, irreplaceable thisness and individuality in the highest sense. And, and Hillebrand, uh, in his book, Metaphysics of Community, distinguishes three directions in which the individuality of the being goes. And uh, well, I, if you like, I can continue on that, but I, I think I should not. Uh, uh, on, only because we're coming close to the end of the hour, which we're already extending just a, a little bit. And uh, but yeah. uh, I, thank you for that. I'm obedient uh, to you before you keep <laughs> the order. Uh, well, I wanted also to give Rocco a chance to, to respond to that same question. Um, I think we should start with the relation between substance and relation in the person. Um, the person is a substance, and unique substance, uh, that is revealed to itself in the relation to others. And we should consider, we should consider at the same time um, that there are two different kinds of relations that converge in the person. Um, uh, I think Boitieu in von Hildebrand also uh, notices this in his book on the metaphysics of community, because he says that communities are not persons, are quasi-persons. Here he's very similar to St. Thomas. Nevertheless, we must distinguish between uh, human communities and that particular community that is the church. Because the church is a real person. Why? Because at the beginning of the human substance, there is the relation to God. Here, the relation is the basis of the existence of the person. The magnificent individuality of this one, of each human being, is uh, founded uh, upon uh, the relation of this person to God. We might say it is a particular reflection of the beauty of God. And, um, the transcendentals introduce us into this dimension that is a dimension of the human person and that at the same time of God and allow us to enter into a relation with God. Now, um, in the, the um, uh, human communities that are quasi-persons, what is the, the great danger? That uh, the, the human community takes the place of the communion with God. That is, that the states or the human communities present themselves as churches and uh, in this way pretend to um, give to men the very reason for his subsistence. Now, uh, the human person comes before all human communities. As what regards liberalism and, um, and uh, uh, collectivism, which um, writes very well in just in the article that I quoted before, the person as subject and as community. To be a community is a dimension of the human person. Um, and uh, it is not just a middle way between, it is something different. It is, uh, um, we must go back to the idea of common good. The common good, what is the common good? It is the sum of different goods that so constitutes the good of the community? No, the common good is first of all, a dimension of the person, the person that understands the constitutive relation to God, and at the same time, the fact that the, 
this truth is revealed in the relation to other persons uh, cannot define the individual good without including in the, in the individual good the good of others. Um, this is particularly apparent in the relation of uh, man and, and wife, father and children, the family. Can you define your good, your individual good without encompassing in this good, the good of your family? But at the same, in the same way, you cannot define your individual good if you do not encompass in this good, the good of the community you live in, of the other persons. For these persons, you are somehow responsible. They are part of you without losing each one of them naturally, of course, uh, it's uh, uh, individual substance. So uh, if you want to approach the issues of the economy um, on the basis on, of a personalist view, then you must start with this idea of the common good. Usually we make the economic science begin with Adam Smith, uh, with the book on the inquiry into the, the causes of uh, the wealth of nations. Uh, there is another beginning, uh, a few years before uh, Smith, uh, Antonio Genovesi wrote a book, Elementi di Economia Civile, and whilst uh, in uh, elements of civil economy, and whilst in Smith, the interest of the individual is put as the beginning, or in Marx, some years later, uh, uh, the interest of the collectivity is put as the beginning, um, uh, Genovese explains that there are two sources of human economic action. One is uh, the uh, interest of the individual, but the other one is the preoccupation for the good of the community. Uh, with a group of friends at the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences, I mentioned here my friend Stefano Zamagni, uh, we are working on rethinking the foundations of uh, economic science. Uh, because uh, uh, the, the, real, um, the real economic action does not correspond to what is theoretized in uh, the handbooks of the economy. Men do not act just on the basis of selfish self-interest. Uh, the other element is always present in uh, the human, uh, in human action. And this leads to seeing in a different way, on the other hand, on the one hand, what it is to be an entrepreneur, an economic actor. Uh, you have to be also a leader of a community. On the other hand, it leads you uh, to understand uh, in a different way, the relation obtaining between economy and politics. Uh, a good society needs the economic motivation, the market, but needs also the, the, to um, surround the market with strong institutions, with ethical, moral, political, juridical, and religious institutions that orient the market, putting it in the service of the human person. Thank you both. We are, we are we're out of time. Um, I'm gonna ask one other question, but we're not gonna answer it yet. Uh, I, just, I just wanna pose it so everyone knows it's posed and we are going to come, come back to it. Um, in the chat, you, you, you all might've seen, there's a lot of interesting discussion about uh, further readings. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and, and ask you to um, to be thinking about what your recommendations would be for three to five books that are essential personalist reading um, by, by any number of 
of authors. They don't have to just be uh, Hildebrand or, or Tia. So we'll 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 get that uh, from from you all after and share it in, in the chat or in, uh, in one of the emails. Um, for now, however, um, we're we're going to have to uh, wrap up because we're a few minutes after time. I do want to let all of our everyone know that uh, for full participants and. Uh, the uh, small group sessions will start immediately after this. You have the links uh, in the emails that, that you have received from Catherine. If, if you don't have that, please email us and we'll, we'll get that to you. Um, but thank you all uh, for, for joining us. Thank you, uh, Rocco and Joseph, for being with us. It's always a pleasure, even though we are, we are so far away. Um, it's, it's great to be in conversation with you both. And we look forward to more conversations throughout the week. So thank you, everyone, and we'll see you soon.